0: welcome to the podcast by the ATA Slavic Languages Division. This is Veronica de Michelis.
1: And this is Ekaterina Howard.
0: We are very excited about today's guest. Please welcome Julia Pogor, an English, Russian, and French conference interpreter and interpreter trainer. Welcome, Julia. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Thank
1: you so much for joining us. Could you please tell our listeners a little bit about your background and what you do?
2: Oh, well... I wear a couple of different hats. Uh, The first one I acquired when I received my degree in conference interpreting uh, with English, Russian and French from what was at that time called the Monterey Institute. And I've been an interpreter since I graduated, which was the mid eighties. So almost as long as I've been alive. And I worked for 14 years in the U.S., mainly based in Washington. And then one day I went to an interpreter continuing education class, the Cambridge Conference Interpretation Course, which is in the U.K., and met Chris, whom I married not long thereafter. I hasten to say that he was not my teacher on this course because he has not got Russian, But um, after that, I moved over to Europe, and I've been working as an interpreter over here. And the second hat that I wear is also an interpreter trainer. Um, When I still lived in the States, I developed a course on training consecutive interpreting and note-taking because so many people seemed not to be able to do it. And then um, when I moved here, Chris was already into teaching, and so I joined him, and we taught and still teach interpreting students from the Francophone schools in Belgium. We do master classes in various schools around Europe as well. And we've now taken over, at least since 2002, we took over the Cambridge course where we met, and we've been running that as well. And then that led me to start um, the Know Your Worth Understanding Marketing and Negotiating for Interpreters seminar. And that's about it. I think that's enough to keep me busy at the moment.
0: Sounds like <laughs> it. Um, so um, let's talk about your seminar Know Your Worth um, Understanding Marketing and Negotiating for Interpreters. Looking at the numerous testimonials from people who took it, it is clear that you're sharing valuable advice, not just on marketing and negotiation, but on how to run your business like a business. Can you please tell us more about how this seminar came to be and how it evolved over time?
2: Sure. Well, I grew up in a typical American family. And as you may know, in the U.S., a child is allowed to work part-time for their parents starting at the age of 12, which I did. Uh, my mom noticed that I loved to talk to people and I would talk to anybody and about anything, quite frankly. And she was running a local newspaper. So she got me to start selling advertising space in the local newspaper at the age of 12. And when I turned 16, which is the usual age for part-time work in the States, I started working in bookstores and a shoe store and so on. And I always had pretty good sales um, reviews there as well. When I became an interpreter, I also used the same skills and had a pretty good set of clients and realized that a lot of other interpreters were not doing the same things I was doing. At the beginning, that was fine, but having to listen to people complain all the time when all they would have to do is just change maybe one idea or one behavior was starting to get on my mind. And so when we started running the Cambridge interpreting course, we decided that I would do an extra module on marketing and and negotiating there. And that became so popular that a couple of the students asked me to turn it into an actual seminar, which lasted a full day. And I realized I had much more to talk about than just one day. So now it's a two-day seminar. I actually have much more to talk about than just the two days. But I don't think anybody would want to come for a full week and give up a lot of their work for a week to do it. So I'm keeping it where it is at the moment. I've always been really good at marketing and negotiating, and I never really knew why. And so when I decided I was going to develop this, I started reading even more marketing books and magazines and negotiating books and listening to webinars and taking various courses. And I've been following all sorts of people online like Marie Forleo and other people that I'm connected with on LinkedIn. And all of that feeds into the class because I take it all and filter it through what can an interpreter use. Let's see, there was one incident that really pushed me to start teaching all of this to others in a a bit of a bigger way. And that was that I happened to be working at an international organization that I think shall remain nameless at the moment. And the chief interpreter was hosting a meeting of other chief interpreters from all sorts of different international organizations um, in, in that one where I was working. And when I went out into the coffee break, I saw all of these chief interpreters standing there and I knew a few of them anyway, just from my own work. But you know, here you have this target rich environment and one of the chief interpreters said, Julia, go get your cards, you know, come on back with your cards, and I'll introduce you to a few people. And I said, great. And I went running back to my booth, and I grabbed my cards, and I told my, my colleagues who were there, I said, come out to the coffee bar, there's lots of chief interpreters, come on, you could do some marketing. And they didn't move. They didn't go anywhere, they just stayed there. And I didn't understand what was going on and why they weren't coming out. I was astonished. And in fact, I made connections that day that I've kept up since then for over 15 years now. And some of them are no longer working as chief interpreters. But, you know, I still keep in touch and they're still friends. And I just didn't understand how somebody could let an opportunity like that go by. So I decided I would really focus on the marketing side.
1: So did you ever find out why they decided not to go out?
2: They were more comfortable sitting where they were. They were in an international organization. They didn't have to negotiate anything. You know, organizations, when you work for like the UN or, or, you know, the EU or something, they just say, okay, we need you next week on Tuesday. And you show up and you don't have to say, okay, how much are you paying? What are the, what are the conditions? Who am I going to be working with? You know, pretty much all of that. And it's easy. And you become complacent, I think. And so while these people also had work with private market clients, with non-international organization or government clients, they usually worked through agencies that also told them what the rates would be and what the conditions would be out of time. And they could say no, if they didn't like them, or they could say yes, but they never negotiated. They They didn't do anything it was all reacting rather than being proactive
1: that sounds very much like a lot of what translation market struggles with yeah and i feel like one of the things that people get obsessed about is seo because that's the promise of sort of passive client income coming in but i'd like to switch gears for a moment and talk about P.S. silva's by this authority bootcamp that you took part in. Mm -hmm. I only found out about Pia because I'm following you on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So I would love to know, how was it? And would you recommend it to translators and interpreters? Wow. It
2: was mind-blowing. Pia Silva I mean, as you can tell from my Twitter feed, I retweet her almost all the time. Um, She is amazing. She's somebody who I've been following now for a couple of years. I consume all of her articles that she writes for Forbes. I keep an eye on her website. And she wrote her book, Badass Your Brand, a couple of years ago. And um, I, I got it, and I read it immediately. I read it all in one go, and then I reread it, and I underlined almost every word. And it's, it's amazing. I mean, all she talks about is a simple mindset shift. And that's what I do in my seminar as well, is, is I get people to see themselves as not just a service provider. And this is what she talks about specifically. I'm trying to get people to see themselves as professionals and experts and partners. And this is what she talks about as well. And so it was, it was amazing. I mean, a lot of what she says in the book and in her articles you know, has absolutely nothing to do with interpreting. And then there's the, the nuggets of gold that just make me so excited. So, yeah, when she offered um, her new online course, which is the Badass Authority Bootcamp, it was about telling you how to build your authority online so that people see you as an expert. And I'd kind of started doing a little bit of what she was talking about anyway by writing blog posts for um, the blog on the International Association of Conference Interpreters website and by posting um, short articles on LinkedIn and so on, but she really talked about making it systematic and explained why it was so important. And in fact, it's, it's like an eight or a 10-week class. And she explained a business funnel in such a way that it, it actually looked and, and sounded achievable and almost easy. And while I'm not convinced that a business funnel is necessarily the business model that interpreters or translators need to have, the first part of it, which is building your authority, is huge. It's absolutely enormous because without that, you're just one among millions. But if you have a reason for people to think that you're credible, People, other people are posting you, they're reposting you, they're liking you, the number of views you're getting or whatever. And and it's just growing. I mean, when I first started out, I'd be lucky if, you know, 100 people saw any of my posts on LinkedIn. And now it's rare that a post doesn't hit 2000 views. And And one of my recent ones went above 8,000 views, which is, you know, in my little niche is viral. So yes, I definitely think it's important to, to take classes. You might prefer somebody who's not quite so in your face. I don't know. I mean, Pia is very, very straightforward. She's very blunt and she's you know, and, and she tells it like it is and in a very simple way because she works with businesses that are run by only one to three people, which is exactly our, biz- our business model. You know, whereas, for example, I've been following Marie Forleo forever and I did her B-School as well. But, you know, she's focusing on you getting started, but she's got a team. She's got like eight or ten people. Um, She could help you get a team of eight or ten people. I don't want a team of eight or ten people. You know, I want to be me, and I am am my business, and everything that Pia has ever said, apart from the things that don't actually work for interpreting, um, is so spot on. It just makes me excited every time
1: I talk about it. Did that help? Oh, yes. Thank you. (laughs) Now I'm trying not to start, not to go down the rabbit hole of B-School and this course and that course. and oh, no, no, go ahead. Yeah.
2: Go, go down the rabbit hole a little bit. I don't mind. You're Oh, make it wonderful.
1: <laughs> so what did you take away from B-School, even if you don't take the scaling up and growing a team business model?
2: Marie Forleo was the first one that I ever followed, and I really recommend her website um, because she's got tons of short videos about different things, um, little, you know, little tiny nuggets of things that will really help people. Um, They help people with their business. They help people, you know, get over the fear of starting or, or whatever. She's really great, and she gives all this great information. So when B-School came up, and I happened to have done um, some work, and I happened to have the money for it, because this is, this is not a simple, you know, this is not like a $200 course. This is like a $2,000 investment. I decided I would do it, and you have lifetime access, which means that I've done it. I'm going to do it again at some point. I'm going to rewatch everything, Thinking about the difference between the two programs, the, the B-School for Marie Forleo and the Badass Authority Bootcamp for Pia Silva, it's more that Marie Forleo starts at the very beginning and quite frankly gives you the equivalent of an MBA. She starts with a um, how do you know what kind of business to start, what would your purpose be, what kind of profit plan are you looking for, and in fact, you don't even really need to have an idea when you, when you start the whole class. She'll walk you through everything, all of those details. And she has, since she has so many years of videos up on her site, she can also pull those videos that are the best resource for whatever module it is you're studying. And she also has lists of books that you could read that she's recommended throughout the years as well. Um, and this goes from the very beginning from like no idea whatsoever to you know going through your profit plan your ideal customer and so on through the funnel and all the way out to the end where you have a full business and pia silva tends to really focus on the authority side. So building your authority, building your credibility with the world so that they know who you are and why you stand out and why you're an expert. When you get to Pia's class, you should already know what your business is. You should already know who it is you want to serve and why. And Understand why what you do is different from what everybody else does and then when you understand that already Then you can start Pia's class and she'll walk you through the same Ideas of the funnel, you know getting the attention and then getting people to sign up with you and then Um, you know, all the way through you selling them whatever service it is that you've come up with. But it's very much focused on that whole authority side of things. So it's a much more targeted program and um, possibly a little easier to understand because you're not so distracted by all of the resources and all of the, you know, the wonderful things that you can get with Marie Forleo. But um, it's for people who have already got a good idea of what they want to do. So that would be the difference between them. And, and B-School was, was amazing as well. I mean, it goes through the same kinds of mindsets that we all have to have. So, for example, progress, not perfection. You know, I mean, it's important that every day you make a step towards your goal. It doesn't have to be a perfect step, but it has to be a step. And the other one that I really like that both of them say is start before you're ready. So if I waited until my perfect two-day seminar was perfect, then I wouldn't have started by giving it for one day. And I wouldn't have given it twice for one day, realized the things that worked really well for those audiences, and then that might have been tweaked better, and then developed the two-day one and so on. And, you know, I've... Now listen to their advice and I've gone out and found a professional photographer and video uh, company in England because I happen to be having a seminar there and got some professional photographs and I got a video done of the seminar and they're making me up a video thing. And, you know, I I have a website, but I don't have the funnel-y thing for this, but I'll be ready. And I'm starting now by taking each of these little steps. So they both fed into it in a different way and they're both feeding into the same thing but in very different ways.
1: So sort of straight up if you like people talking straight, you should go take PS course. If you need some touchy feely stuff, then maybe start with b school?
2: Maybe, yeah. But in either case what I would do is is I would follow them both on online. And I would read both of their articles, or do you know, follow their video articles and stuff first because I don't know too many people who are going to be willing to lay out you know a thousand bucks for the badass authority boot camp or whatever she's charging next, or the two thousand bucks or whatever that will be with inflation for the B school without actually understanding what they're getting first. And you need to know these people. You know, it's it's the usual know, like, and trust. I mean, I followed both of them for about two years each before I gave them my money. And that's also what Pia and and Anne-Marie are both teaching, which is, you know, people need to know, like, and trust me. And so when I'm building my authority, um, as Pia has it, you know, it'll take a bit of time. It took her three years before Forbes wanted her to start writing for them. But three years of consistent effort of writing these articles and publicizing them all over the place on, you know, on her newsletter and so on. And that's the only way that people are going to know who you are. If you're just one of a million, say, Russian interpreters like I am, um, you know, there, there are millions of us out there. They may not all be concentrated in the city that you're living in. But quite frankly, with remote interpreting and the traveling and everything, we're all pretty much local. Our market is the entire world to a certain extent and you're competing against a whole bunch of other people with a whole bunch of other characteristics that you won't have. Like I'm, I'm on a chat with over 100 Russian interpreters from, you know, professional interpreters from from Moscow and St. Petersburg and and Nizhny Novgorod and so on. And it's fascinating to see what the market is like and what they do and where they go and where they travel to and so on. And, you know, sometimes I can put my own two cents in if they're asking about what's going on in Europe or, you know, what um, various contacts might I might have if they needed a partner, say, in Washington or whatever. Um, but it's fascinating to see. And if I don't want to get lost in the maelstrom, and, and, and the only reason that I was actually invited to this chat, apart from the fact that when I heard about it, I said, I want to be in, I want to be in, um, is the fact that they knew who I was. And they knew who I was because I got onto, you know, into this one event in Moscow. And I got there because I had done some marketing beforehand and because I had some authority and some credibility and so on. And so it
1: all builds. So that sort of makes sense in terms of how sharing with your community and building your community within your, uh, with your colleagues can help you. Move forward even if it does seem like it's just a chat mm-hmm. and I don't have time for this um, but what about projecting your authority towards your clients I was recently listening to one of Pia's Facebook videos mm-hmm. on explaining to non experts what it is that you do
2: hmm
1: and she points out that this is hard Like, maybe you need to try a different approach instead of just saying something along the lines of serious companies only work with experts and therefore you must hire me. Mm -hmm. So from your experience, um, things that work, things that don't work, things that will be a spectacular failure in client outreach and explain what it is that you do.
2: Well, when I talk to clients, I try and listen more than I talk, if, especially if they're new clients, you know, or new prospects, prospective clients. I listen more than I talk. I try and find out what it is they need from me. I mean, some people need the fact that I've worked at summits before, you know, at presidential level. Some people need the fact that I'm a marketing specialist. Some people need whatever, you know, and I need to find out what it is that, they need, first of all. Maybe they just need their handheld because they've never spoken in front of an audience of a thousand people before, and they need to make sure that I'm going to get their message across. You know, and it's possible, and you see it over here sometimes, that the client needs me not to be able to communicate and therefore will give me no information whatsoever beforehand because they don't want communication. They just have to have the meeting. You know, so you have to find out and what it is they need before anything else. And you, you have to present yourself as an expert, as, um, as another phrase Pia used, as the captain of your own ship. So when they call you, for example, if you're a, pr- a service provider, they'll call you and they'll say, hi, I need Russian interpretation on, you know, in a week from now for this conference and you provide it. And I'm like, okay, but then they're telling me what the hours are and they're telling me any, you know, everything else. And all I can say basically is yes or no because they're going to say, and we can only pay you this and this is how many hours you're on and you're a service provider, provide the service. Whereas the way that I think of myself is I'm an expert and I'm your partner in your success. And so, okay, you have a conference what's the topic, you know, all the basic questions and so on, and what do you want to get from this conference? Is this only um, an informational thing? Is this a sales conference? Is this a let's get to know you thing? You know, find out more about it and then suggest ways of covering the interpreting. Uh, Maybe they don't have an enormous budget and we can come up with something else that will help or something that will help, you know, pay me in a different way because value for them isn't all just money and value for me isn't all just money either. When I very first started out as an interpreter, I heard about the Chautauqua Conference in New York, and at the time, I don't know if it's still running, but that particular time, they had a couple hundred Soviets coming over, which tells you how long I've been interpreting, and a couple hundred Soviets coming over for people-to-people exchange, and I decided that it was worth my time and my travel money to get me there, to do this thing, because I ended up meeting people from the government at at some of the higher levels, people that later on when I became an interpreter in Washington, I would run into and they'd be like, oh, it's nice to see you again. How have you been? You know, we might have some more work for you and things like that. So you, you have to get yourself out there somehow to meet the people. And once you've done that, depending on how you've met them. Has it been through some authority building that you've had? Has it been through um, a referral that somebody else got you that, that those people trusted? Or is it just from seeing you do what you do? Um, I've had a couple of job offers from people since I started publishing my blogs because they figure I'm a good interpreter, even though they've never heard me say a word of Russian, which kind of blows my mind, but is kind of cool. So, you know, then of course I have to deliver. And if I deliver badly, you know, there goes my reputation, there goes everything else. But if I deliver to the level that they're expecting me to deliver, you know, this is great. I've got another client. One way of standing out just at that Chautauqua thing, it just came to mind, is that they were asking everybody, you know, all of us volunteer interpreters, we were sitting in a a circle with this really important guy from the government who spoke Russian and stuff. And he says, so what kind of interpreting experience do you have and what do you feel comfortable interpreting and everybody's like, oh, well, I've studied Russian for a few years and I could do culture. I like doing culture and like you get 19 people. And then he gets to me and I'm like, I just graduated from Monterey. Give me technical, keep me away from culture. I don't like culture. I like technical. And he was thrilled. And I got put on all of the really important meetings because they were all the technical ones and got to avoid all of the poetry and literature, which while I love to read it, God forbid I ever have to interpret. That was one way of building my authority and standing out, and then that guy gave me authority when he introduced me to other people. One other way that Pia specifically said in her video, and then I double-checked it with her in the comments afterwards, um, how you would explain to non-experts what you do as an expert, is you ask them a lot of questions. So many of us just assume we know what the client wants and who out there would have expected that a client would want no communication to happen at a particular meeting, that they're required by law to have this meeting, but they want zero communication? Who would have ever thought that when you were going to become an interpreter, that zero communication was the goal of a meeting? So without figuring it out, without getting into their heads, getting into their, their understanding of what the meeting was all about... I wouldn't be able to give them what they need. And so asking a lot of questions and it is one way of showing that you're an expert in what you do, and it means that they feel like they're in a safe pair of hands.
0: This is brilliant. I love that so much of what you're describing and the examples are, you're giving, they're about taking initiative and, you know, stepping out of what many people would think is their comfort zone and mm-hmm. showing that you care about more than producing words in another language. You're somehow more invested in this relationship with a client. So if you could list, what would you say are the main obstacles that you feel are holding interpreters and translators back in business?
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. Um. How long do we have? No, um. <laughs> as much as you need. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, from having gotten a degree in interpreting, and from having taught here uh, for several years as well, and quite frankly, from having just seen what what you know the society over here is like, and how kids don't go out for part-time jobs when, when they're 16 or whatever, very often, you know, their parents keep them in their schools, tell them what they have to learn. And then suddenly they get to interpreting school and we're like, you know, be adults, take your future in your own hands. And they're like, uh, uh, what does that mean? interpreters and translators are usually not people who think in business terms. You know, if they went to a school for interpreting or translating, it's really unlikely that they had any kinds of business classes. we, We had something at Monterey, it was interpreting as a profession and translating as a profession. And, you know, we got Some very, very tiny baby steps in that direction, but very little. And most teachers will just tell their their students, you know, all right, when you get out there, don't undercut your colleagues or don't steal clients from other colleagues, you know, which is enough to paralyze a recent graduate, you know, because they have no idea how to go out there and find work or how much to charge or even how to behave on their first assignment so that it's not their last assignment you know, forgetting the interpreting part. We're assuming the interpreting part is fine, but you can kill yourself with your regular behavior if you don't start behaving professionally in your first assignment. And very few of us, if we've gone through the whole school system without ever having had a job where we had to dress a certain way and show up at a certain time and be accountable to somebody, they don't know what that means. So, This becomes even more ingrained because the more they get out there, the more they work, the more they realize they're getting a lot of their work from their colleagues, which is kind of the passive way of going about things, you know, to my mind. And so they only end up talking to their colleagues, and so they only end up doing approximately what their colleagues are doing or charging approximately what their colleagues are charging. And of course, everybody's going to be treating us like commodities because then everybody's just complaining and talking to each other. It's like an echo chamber. Truly, I mean, you get a group of interpreters together and non-interpreting, like normal people, they look at us like we're completely nuts. All right, so the Cambridge Conference Interpretation course gathers together um, 27 students who are all practicing conference interpreters, plus another 12 or 13 teachers who are definitely practicing conference interpreters and chief interpreters and so on. So whatever that number is, my math is no good. Um, You know, every year, and we were in the same hotel for many years, and the same manager, surprisingly, was there for several years. And he asked me, he says, Julia, why are your groups so different from all the other groups that come here for courses or whatever and that stay in the hotel and I said well what do you mean different and he got this look on his face and he started kind of flapping his hands in the air and he's like they're kind of airy fairy I mean they they don't seem like they have their feet on the ground they have these unrealistic expectations they're floating through life as if nothing ever touches them you know why is it And I'm like, well, because nothing ever touches them because they're living in their own little world. And it's not the same world everybody else seems to be living in. So quite frankly, we're our own worst enemy. And Unless we can get some business acumen. Now, I I know there's an amazing group of German interpreters in Germany who are thinking about things like this. They have a group they call the Profitability Group. They've published, um, you know, articles within the International Association of Conference Interpreters website and so on, they think about, you know, if we were earning, you know, X back 20 years ago, and we did the inflation thing, just like plumbers do or lawyers do, how much would we be earning now? And it would be oh, so much higher than it actually is. And they do that kind of research. And these guys, they don't need me. They really don't need me. They were kind enough to bring me in for one seminar, for, the, for one day seminar. But quite frankly, I don't think I'll be going back to Germany because they really don't need me. But everybody else seems to need this kind of business approach that they haven't had. And the interpreters I've noticed who do the best jobs in this side, not as interpreters, but, you know, on the marketing and so on side are interpreters who have had careers in other areas where they've had to do their own internal or external marketing or they've had to negotiate other things and um, who've come to interpreting later and I'm not and not even everybody because I mean you could have a law degree and you could have worked as a lawyer but you know you're working for a law firm they set your rates and so on and so forth so maybe those people don't know how to do the marketing, but, but the people who have actually run their own businesses, they're, they're good at this, but the rest of us, I, I don't know where I got it from. I mean, thank you, mom and dad, but it's, it's something that can be developed. It's not something that is a rarefied skill or something that you have to be born with. It's actually not hard to develop. You just have to understand how to go about it. And so I think that the vast majority of us need to do some business
0: skills studies or at least start reading some books. Absolutely. It sounds like most of us would need to invest some time into this and really kind of go about it like, like, like we do with exercise. You know, the more you, you do certain things, the more they become second nature and, and habit and then change your mindset eventually.
2: Exactly,
0: exactly. Thank you so much for your time, Julia. This has been amazing. And we really appreciate the tips and the insights that you shared and um, that you found time to meet us. Oh, it, it's, I mean, I've done most of the talking and
2: what interpreter doesn't like to do a lot of talking, quite <laughs> frankly. <laughs> but thank you for giving me the opportunity to do a lot of talking to people who wouldn't have heard me otherwise.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. For me as well. Thanks.
0: We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the ATA Slavic Languages Divisions podcast. Please check our show notes for links to all the resources mentioned during this interview. In the short time between recording this podcast and publishing it, Pia Silva has created a new course called Badass Your Business, which like Mary Forleo's B-School will take you from A to Z as well. If you have ideas or suggestions for future episodes, please reach out to us using our contact information in the show notes. And you can find our past and future episodes on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like it, please subscribe and leave us a review.